Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Today is the 20th of January, our entrance to a colossal collection of days, 346 of them actually, awaiting us in this leap year of 2020. Today we observe Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, which once in a while coincides with a Monday and is celebrated on its actual date of January 15th, but not this year. This morning, just before sunrise, the planet Jupiter and our waning crescent moon were playing hide-and-seek barely above the southeast horizon, where the lit edge of the crescent shone toward Jupiter's rising mass. Today, Davos, Switzerland, leaders of some of the world's largest companies have begun gathering for the World Economic Forum Annual Meeting 2020, which opens tomorrow. In a letter sent to company leaders on their way to the summit, Forum founder and executive chairman Klaus Schwab and the heads of Bank America and Royal DSM say this year's meeting is a perfect opportunity to show leadership in climate change. Young climate activist Greta Thunberg plans on attending too, with the intention of continuing to put pressure on world leaders to end the fossil fuel economy saying, anything less than immediately ceasing these investments in the fossil fuel industry would be a betrayal of life itself. Novelist and essayist Gloria Naylor observes, life is accepting what is and working from that. At the beginning of 2020, Earth seems to have as many folks concerned about the immediate health of the planet as we have folks who, for various reasons, put their own agendas ahead of the health of the planet. Right here in River City, as the huckster played by Robert Preston in The Music Man accosts the audience, we got trouble. A few days back in the Bangor Daily News, reporters Aislinn Sarnacki and John Holyoke had articles on the subject of increased incidences of lead poisoning in Maine's bald eagle population, especially during the winter when eagles are eating discarded deer carcasses from the recently concluded hunting season. In that same edition of our local newspaper, the results of a poll from the previous day were published. The question, asked online, was, do you think hunters should be allowed to use lead ammunition? 78 responses were received, divvied up into 46% replying yes and 54% replying no roughly half and half, with a fatter half saying, no, hunters should not be allowed to use lead ammunition. English romantic poet William Blake writes, no bird soars too high if he soars with his own wings. The interesting thing about that sample of 78 respondents, in which roughly 37 folks are saying, nah, to heck with the eagles, lead shot is the, is the superior shot for me, and 41 folks, 41 folks are saying, gee, if lead is having that effect, let's try to figure out some ammunition that won't be killing off the eagle population when they happen to ingest parts of a bullet-riddled carcass. Are the proportions pretty close to those we have regarding climate change? And that means we have roughly half the population of American human beings who say they value their own destructive tendencies more than they value the life of the larger world around them. How does a mindset like that get changed? 
How does it evolve to become a mindset of valuing life rather than valuing destruction? The Roman rhetorician Seneca the Elder, who made it to 92 years old, quite a feat for one living from 54 BC to 39 AD, advises, it is wrong not to give a hand to the fallen. This law is universal to the whole human race. Seneca was born of a wealthy equestrian family in Cordoba, Spain, which at the time was called Hispania, and growing up around horses did much to temper his general outlook on life, nature, and nurture. Today is the birthday of Nathan Birnbaum, born in 1896 to Louis Philip Birnbaum and his wife Dorothy, who were from Europe and whose marriage, ages 16 and 14 respectively, had been arranged by their parents. The Birnbaums would have 12 children and led a hard life, though humor for young Nathan came early along the way. He once joked that he used to steal garbage from a rich neighbor to put in Nathan's family's trash can, saying, I wanted people to think we were doing well. Nathan loved to sing, and with three friends he formed the Pee Wee Quartet when he was seven. When they earned 42 cents in tossed pennies, Nathan became hooked on show business, eventually adding to his resume a variety of numerous gigs, from singing to roller skating to working with a seal. Along the way he met an Irish girl who had a talent for playing the Daffy Wit, and together they became George Burns and Gracie Allen. George said, what made us a good combination was that I could think of stuff and she could do it. Before I met her, I thought of stuff, but I couldn't do it. Of his wife, George also said, she married me for laughs. I got more laughs in bed with Gracie than I did when I played Vegas. Today is also the birthday of Aristotle Onassis in 1906, of Federico Fellini and of DeForest Kelly, both in 1920 of Patricia Neal in 1926, of Artie Johnson in 1934, and of David Lynch in 1946. For more on Omain, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Here's to a fine Martin Luther King Jr. day.